This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. I've been planning to go Thursday. What I didn't know is uh, my good friend apparently is gone. I'm Dave Rubin. This is the Rubin Report. It's February 26. No, it's February 27, 2024. I'm still in yesterday. We're busy over here. Uh, we're live streaming on Rumble, YouTube, and local. Share, tap that subscription button, notification bell, all that good stuff. And the reason I'm speaking so fast at the moment is we've got to do a fast show for you today. I am the special friend at my niece's school today, and I've got to get out of here right after the show. So there will be no post-game show. Apologies for that. Uh, but if you want to play along during the show, rubenreport.locals.com, and I will find a way to make it up to you good people. So we're going to do a bit of an abbreviated show here, and I am caffeinated and speaking very, very fast. Here we go. So uh, Dr. Phil, you guys know Dr. Phil. Uh, Dr. Phil went on The View yesterday, and we're going to show you a couple clips to set up today's show because he just brought some basic truth. And uh, The View ladies are a little, let's just say, averse to basic truth, and there were some funny things that happened because the audience kind of was into what Dr. Phil was saying, which kind of makes me think that the woke and the ladies of The View and the people over at the televised mental institution of known as MSNBC are all starting to lose their grip because eventually people do start smelling the BS. So we're gonna connect that to a really incredible Twitter thread uh, that Ben Shapiro had some stuff with Joe Rogan uh, and then tech billionaire Bill Ackman, who has sort of been on the forefront over the last couple of months of leading some of the remaining liberals out of uh, the crazy progressive woke lunacy. Uh, he's become a bit outspoken. We'll show you some clips of that and let's just dive right in. So here is Dr. Phil going on The View and telling the harpies how COVID was mismanaged and how it really screwed over our kids. And COVID hits 10 years later and the same agencies that knew that are the agencies that shut down the schools for two years. Who does that? Who takes away the support system for these children? Who takes them away and shuts it down? And by the way, when they shut it down, they stopped the mandated reporters from being able to see children that were being abused and sexually molested, and in fact sent them home and abandoned them to their abusers with no way to watch, and referrals dropped 50 to 60%. So, there was also a yeah. pandemic yeah, going there was, on. They were trying to save They were trying to save kids' well. lives. Remember, we know a lot of folks who died during this so it wasn't people weren't laying Not around eating bond, but well you know what we're lucky maybe we're lucky they didn't because we kept them out of the 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 places that they could get, be sick because no one wanted to believe we had an issue are you saying no school children died of covid i'm saying it was the safest group they were the less vulnerable group and they suffered and will suffer more from the mismanagement of COVID than they will from the exposure to COVID. And that's not an opinion, that's a fact. That's a good line right there to end with. And you could hear the audience applauding with Dr. Phil. It's just so interesting how now, you know, what are we, two plus years out of COVID and we really should be four plus years out of COVID because the whole thing was a farce from the beginning. That still 
these corporate harpies are running cover for the pharmaceutical industry, for the teachers union, for all of the people at the NIH and the CDC who locked everybody down and everything else. Um, Sonny talking about how keeping kids out of school saved lives. There's really no evidence of that. There's just no evidence of that. We now know that the vaccine didn't even work. I mean, the idea that they pressured young kids, there are 12 year old kids right now who got this experimental vaccine and nobody knows why they got it. Well, they know why they got it because the pharmaceutical companies basically were in cahoots with the government to force people to get this thing so that a bunch of people could make a lot of money. Um, but the point is that, Sonny, what did Sonny say there? Uh, well, Whoopi first says, we know that people got sick. Okay, yes, some people did get sick. And then Anna, of course, says, are you saying no kids died? And nobody's saying no kids died, but as Dr. Phil points out, they were the most safe group the entire time. And there was a thing that we used to talk about called herd immunity before the COVID stuff happened. Anyway, we've got an abbreviated version of that that I think you will see what the meme makers of the internet did. Are you saying no school children died of COVID? I'm saying it was the safest group they were the less vulnerable group, and they suffered and will suffer more from the mismanagement of COVID than they will from the exposure to COVID. And that's not an opinion, that's a fact. <laughs> I'm told we made that one. Phoenix is very proud of himself. Okay, so they went on a whole bunch of other issues, and Dr. Phil just calmly just calmly explaining things to them and they just struggle. These women struggle when it comes to reality. Here's a bit more uh, about, uh, or Dr. Phil explaining a bit more this time about the border crisis. And just listen to like a calm, decent explanation of something and uh, they're not so thrilled. My understanding is that you went to the Southern border. Now you're saying that you're gonna give people facts. What did you take away from that experience and what kind of reporting are you gonna be bringing back from that experience? I'll tell you a fact I took away. I talked to the head of all the border guards down there, the, the head of the union. I asked him straight up, kids are coming over the border with numbers written on them, phone numbers and addresses. Mm -hmm. Do we check those out? He said, well, we call them. Is it possible that we're sending them into known prostitution rings or sweatshops? He said, it's not possible, it is absolute. We are using American tax dollars to ship children into known prostitution All and sweatshops. Or some children? Well, who knows? Okay. We don't know. I said, are you... So what kind of checking do they do? So They, they call the number uh -huh, and, and say, do you know about this child? They say, yes. Will you receive them when they come? Yes. I said, is it possible that that's a prostitution ring? He said, we, ha we know enough to know that it, in a number of cases, it has turned out to be absolute sex ring. It has turned out to be an absolute sweatshop. I said, how is this possible? Well, what do they and he do said, then? it is happening. What do they do then if they know that that's happening? Where is the U.S. Attorney's Office? Where is the... Here's the here's Damn good the question, you have to You have to re-ask that question when we come okay. back. All right, so first off, their body language as they're listening to this guy, he's there explaining what's happening to these kids being sold into prostitution and sweatshops and the rest of it. Sonny's line, all children or some children? Like if it was nine out of 10 children, would that be okay with you, Sonny? It wasn't all the, ch the children, like just absolutely ridiculous. But it's good, the reason I'm showing all this is it's good because it seems to me that more and more truth seems to be bubbling up to the surface. The fact that he got the applause on the COVID line 
at The View is good. The fact that they all are on the defensive, they're still defending COVID lockdowns and vaccines, they're still defending the ridiculous policies of the Biden administration at the border, and more and more people are just like, no, none of this works, you guys are all liars. Uh, I actually had Dr. Phil on the show last week, the full thing's up on Locals right now, uh, part one is up on Rumble and YouTube, but I wanna show you this just tiny, uh, just a small portion of it, because here he talks about how it's the fringes that have basically taken over and are dictating our cultural uh, policy. I think we're under attack from what I call the tyranny of the fringe. Um, it's not even the minorities, it's the fringe way out on the edges. We've got these people that I don't even think speak for who they say they're speaking for. They're the ones that are way out on the edge taking radical positions that don't represent the main thought of the group they say they represent that are driving these bizarre agendas. And we've got to come together and push back against that. And they, they take these radical positions and they flat out lie. Uh, they've written articles about me where they say, oh, Dr. Phil has now become a safe place for right-wing haters. Oh, I've been there, and I've been there. They go, oh man, they go down through with this article and say, he had on this right-wing hater, this right-wing hater, this right-wing hater. All right, so it's interesting because Dr. Phil, who is really loved by the mainstream for about 20 years, right? Oprah basically found him, we get into a little bit of that in the interview, and then he was doing the corporate thing, he's now, doing this thing, he's going solo, he's building out a network, he's doing it all on his own, and he's getting a little more controversial. What he talks about there at the end, just by talking to people a little bit more conservative or on the right, they start calling him a hater and alt-right and right-wing maniac and all of that stuff. Uh, but the broader point there about how there are a series of people taking radical positions and then we're all constantly defending ourselves from them. So what would those positions be? Well, trans kids, right, that's a big one. Uh, it would be the border, just letting everybody in. That's the radical position. Uh, crime, not arresting people. That would be the radical position. Allowing homeless encampments to take over streets. That would be the radical position. Uh, have it, how about having Hamas supporters close down bridges? That would be the radical position. And yet there's a certain set of people in society that just either sit back and let them do it or, or actually tacitly help them. Uh, do it. So we will get uh, to more on Dr. Phil and the trans stuff. He also is on Joe Rogan. He's making the rounds as he launches his new show. Uh, we'll get to that in just a second. Let me talk to you guys about Hillsdale College first. Guys, time is our most precious commodity. And I've heard from so many of you guys who have asked for my advice about how we can spend it wisely to improve yourself and the people around you. That's why I'm excited that Hillsdale College is offering more than 40 free online courses in the most important and enduring subject. You can learn about the works of C.S. Lewis, the stories in the book of Genesis, the meaning of the U.S. Constitution, the rise and fall of the Roman Republic, or the history of ancient Christian church from Hillsdale College's online courses, all available for free. That's right, for free. I personally recommend you sign up for American citizenship and its decline with Victor Davis Hanson. In this eight lecture course, Dr. Hanson explores the history of citizenship in the West and the threat it faces today. Threats like the erosion of the middle class, the disappearance of our borders, the growth of an unaccountable deep state, and the rise of, glo uh, the rise of globalist organizations. 
The course is self-paced, so you can start whenever and wherever. Start your free course, American Citizenship and its Decline, with Victor Davis Hanson today. Go right now to hillsdale.edu slash Dave to start. It's free and it's easy to get started. That's hillsdale.edu slash Dave. And now back to me. All right. So Dr. Phil's making the rounds. He's making some sense. He's breaking through that mainstream thing a little bit. Uh, but here he is uh, going on Joe Rogan talking about the epidemic related to trans kids. And yes, ladies of The View, it is an epidemic and chopping children's genitals off is not good. It's interesting they choose words like uh, gender affirming care. You know, that's, that's interesting that they call it that, but really what they're talking about is hormonal therapy or sex reassignment surgery on children. And in fairness, the American Medical Association, the American Academy of Pediatrics, the American Endocrine Society, or whatever the exact name of that is, all of the major medical associations have signed off on this, Joe. They've signed off on it. And I have never seen those organizations sign off on anything with less information as to whether or not it does long-term harm of anything in my life. And when I, when I ask about that, when I bring that up, then they immediately label you as transphobic. And I, I thought that the deal was first do no harm. And all of the European countries, you know, Sweden, Norway, they, they've all stopped doing it because they say, we, we cannot say in good conscience that this does no harm because it does harm. If, if, if you look at the long-term consequences, if someone changes their mind at 10, 11, 12, 13 years old, um, they can't decide which pajamas they want to wear at night. And their reason for doing it is it stops this drive for suicide, that there's a suicide epidemic. It doesn't fix that. It doesn't fix all the comorbid issues that come along with feeling like they're in the wrong body. Um, but yet they're pushing this. And it's we're going to do some shows that are already taped that are revealing what the real results of this are. And I think people are going to be shocked that these medical organizations have signed off on this. I think they've just given in to the pressure. Okay, so there's a couple of interesting things there. I, I know you guys know most of this, but the, the broad point, what he's talking about is that it is systemic. The trans movement and drugging these kids and chopping off their genitals and everything else, it's systemic, meaning it's gone through all of the layers that were supposed to protect children uh, and protect people from medical procedures that they don't know what the hell is gonna happen on the other side. Everybody has signed off on all of this stuff. As you guys know, there's a huge deep transition movement happening right now where people, young kids, and it's usually girls transitioning to boys, and there's reasons for that, we'll get to that in just a second, where you know, they're like a tomboy at 10, and then they're like, okay, you're a boy, and they do these unbelievably horrific, I don't even wanna show you the pictures of them. We've, have we ever shown the pictures, some of the pictures of the surgeries? Maybe we did once. They're unbelievably horrific when they're taking skin off a, a young girl's arm to create, you know, what I suppose is some kind of faux penis or something like that. Um, and the idea that they're just gonna be better on the other side after you've been pumped with all these drugs, had your body mutilated, and then what happens now you're 15 and what if your voice doesn't sound exactly like you wanted to or you don't look exactly right or the health problems that come along with that or suddenly you, re suddenly you realize, boy, I was just a little confused about things and it's odd that my guidance counselor and the principal of the school and the doctor all pushed me to do all of this stuff. So there, there is an absolute systemic danger because all of these 
institutions have signed off on all of this stuff, as he points out, with really very little evidence that it works. And if there was evidence, wouldn't there be at this moment, wouldn't there be like, I don't know, how about a dozen trans people who are highly functioning out there in society, and I'm not talking about drag queens or anything else, just trans people out there showing that, oh, here's how I am afterwards, and I have a family, and this, and I'm functional, and I'm healthy, and everything else, but you don't really see that, do you? Anyway, Dr. Phil went into the other part that I think is just totally fascinating about this, how it's become a social contagion. They now know that when one girl, an actual girl at a school starts transitioning to be a boy, which isn't even, it's not gender affirming, it's the least affirming thing you could possibly do, chopping off someone's genitals, that it then starts spreading to the other kids at that school. It's wild. Take a look. What do you I'm think is behind it though? Like what, how did this, if it, this is so contrary to the way most people feel, what do you think is behind it? Especially the push towards children, affirming children. Do you think it's because there's people that are queer or LBGT, whatever, and they want other people to be a part of their, their group? Is it they want more LBGT people? They want to encourage this behavior? They think it's suppressed and maybe there's more people that are gay or whatever and they want to come out and they just get suppressed by it so they're trying to make it like more enthusiastic? Like how is, how is this trans thing becoming a major point of debate with children where it never has in history? In your life, in my life, there was never all this talk about trans children. Like this it seems insane that we've forgotten that kids don't know what the fuck is going on yet. I think a lot of it is owing to social media platforms and the internet. I, I think um, this is what I'm talking about when I say the activist, I don't think speak for the community at large. I think they get an agenda that they're pushing, and I think they really get wrapped up in this, and it gets a lot of oxygen on the internet. It gets a lot of oxygen on social media platforms. Now, they say there's no social contagion here, but... The girls that are claiming to be transgender, that percentage has gone up. Some reports say it's gone up um, 800%, 1,000% over the last several years. And they say, well, that's because they feel more comfortable talking about it now. I think there is a social contagion effect. So people jump on the bandwagon. And if it's for a short period of time, but they've done things that can't be reversed. I think that's really tragic. Yeah, it is really tragic for all the reasons that I just explained. What would, what, imagine what your life would be like if you did this when you were 11 and then suddenly you are 16 and you realize all of the repercussions of that or you realize that you were pushed into it or everything else. Um, and by the way, it's not when he says, I think that it's a social contagion. It's not think it's a social contagion. There is a book by Abigail Schreier who I've had on the show and we have her coming on in another week or so, she did a tremendous amount of research, especially as it pertains to girls transitioning to boys. I just hate that phrase in and of itself because it's just not real. Uh, there is a massive social contagion that it just starts spreading within these schools. But if you think all of that medical insanity and all of the trans stuff, okay, that's like a very niche thing and it's not gonna happen to my kids or something like that, there is a much, much bigger problem happening in the medical community. You know, I always say this thing about how the more DEI gets put into all the institutions, it's gonna destroy everything. We'll literally have planes falling out of the air because they're gonna hire people who are not qualified. We're gonna have doctors who don't know how to perform uh, heart surgery. Well, it's actually even more perverse than that. And Ben Shapiro had a fantastic Twitter thread about that. Let me get to that in a second. But first, let me tell you about fast growing trees. Guys, did you know? that Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 
different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the US. You can grow lemon, avocado, olive, or fig trees inside your home on top of the wide variety of house plants available. Fast growing trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30 day alive and thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever, forever. Guys, you know I'm really into greenery and building gardens and I guarantee you guys, these are the best for that. They're experts at Fast Growing Trees, curate thousands of plants so you can find the perfect fit for your specific climate, location, and needs. You don't have to drive around to nurseries and big gardening centers. Whether you're looking to add some privacy, shade, or natural beauty to your yard, Fast Growing Trees has in-house experts ready to help you make the right selection with growing and care advice available 24-7. You can talk to a plant expert about your soil type, landscape design, how to take care of your plants, and everything else you need. No green thumb required right now. They have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants, and listeners of our show get an additional 15% off when using the code Ruben at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com. Use code Ruben at checkout, FastGrowingTrees.com. Code Ruben. And now, back to me, offers available, I should say, for a limited time, and tell them I sent you, and see what happens, you never know. All right, so I wanna dive into what's going on with DEI in in sort of the wider. We focused on the trans part, I know you guys get that part, Uh, but what's happening sort of in the wider medical community. So Ben Shapiro had an incredibly uh, viral Twitter thread, and let's just dive right into it. Uh, DEI in medicine means that even if doctors injure patients, they might still be protected, even promoted. It also means that top hospitals are abandoning key metrics when hiring surgeons. And it means research by whites may be disregarded. Here's what I found. I mean, this is just wild, watch this. Sources tell me Wake Forest Medical School is about to graduate Kaishel Del Rosario, the med student who injured a conservative patient and bragged about it. Wake Forest allowed Rosario to lay low and take a voluntary leave of absence when this scandal broke. I'm also told that UPenn Health has hired Ewan Liu, Del Rosario's classmate, who said it seemed karma karmatic when it when she injured the patient who mocked her pronoun pin. Wake Forest showered Liu with awards and excellence in patient care, and she now focuses on LGBTQ plus health. Both UPenn and Liu's medical school, Wake Forest, have attempted to hide Liu's hiring. Wake Forest uh, didn't list Lou's hospital and graduation materials, and UPenn doesn't list Lou's medical school on its website. Okay, so this is just two instances about kids at medical school, but he continues in the Twitter thread, and here is, a, is an award-winning Duke surgical resident. His name is Vignesh Raman, and here he is in an internal DEI lecture, and you know these things all get leaked now. These Zoom meetings always get leaked. And listen... Uh, to what he says about patients of his that watch Fox News. You know, the thing is, we are in the South, right? And unlike a lot of the like hospitals in the Northeast or in the West, we serve a very Southern population. This is not a VIP hospital. People are not like flying in from Qatar to get treated here. We treat patients who are just from the community in the South. And yes, my heart sinks every time I go into a room and I watch them watching Fox News or they have a MAGA hat on or they're wearing a Confederate belt, right? I, these are the patients that we treat. But Geraldine, I, I will say that the one very good thing about the South that I enjoy is exactly what I alluded to earlier is that we don't treat VIPs. We treat people from our community and our community, as, as Auri explained, is majority non-white. Okay, 
Look, we don't have any evidence that this guy has ever treated someone that had a MAGA hat or watched Fox News or a Confederate belt, which I feel like he's making that one up. We don't have any evidence that he has treated them uh, without the care that he would treat anyone else. But the idea now that this has leaked into our medical establishment is a huge problem, that doctors are looking at people and based on the color of their skin or the hat they are wearing, they're already thinking different things about them. Like this is a huge problem. The number one thing that a doctor is supposed to do, as Dr. Phil pointed out, is do no harm, right? That is the point. But wokeness has infected all of the medical schools, the hospitals, you don't, you just don't want to think about it. You don't want to think, if you had an emergency and you showed up at the emergency room right now, would you want to think, oh, my doctor is that skin color. That means he got in a little bit easier. He's probably not the best. Or, oh, he might be looking at me and I just realized I'm wearing a hat, a hat with an American flag on it. Maybe he's not going to give me the best care, but they have now injected this all into the system. Check this out. This is from the American College of Surgeons, uh, giving its 88,000 members a woke definition of racism. In defining racism, in the Defining Racism Part 1 forum, we define racism. I would like to take the time to restate the definition as a reference for the material that we will be discussing today. Racism is the marginalization and or oppression of people of color based on socially constructed racial hierarchy that privileges white people. Racism involves one group having the power to carry out systematic discrimination through the institutional policies and practices of the society and by shaping the cultural beliefs and values that support those racist policies. It's just, it's so extraordinary because everything that they are accusing the system of being of is the stuff that they're pushing into the system. They want the system to be systemically racist against white people. We know when they were laying out uh, the COVID vaccines, which I was against, but the in certain places in Democrat-run cities, they were giving COVID vaccines to black people first. That is systemic racism. They were doing that in Seattle. Also, the way they define racism is so that only, in essence, only white people can be racist, right? Because they're higher up on the hierarchy. Except if you're black and you hate white people, you are racist. It's not reverse racism, it's just racism. And we all know it. But again, all of these ideas are now being taught at medical schools and then you wonder why it's possible that doctors end up treating certain patients a little bit differently based on their skin color or their beliefs or whatever else it might be. Uh, this is more from, these are all from Ben's thread, by the way. Uh, here is video of a conference on DEI at UPenn where that woman, Ewan Liu, uh, now works and uh, a surgeon is not thrilled how many white people are there. You know, it's, I think surgery in general has been, you know, predominantly white and male dominated field and that can be very um off-putting and intimidating for somebody um and i you know unfortunately i think we've probably lost you know many brilliant minds just for that reason they don't feel like they belong they feel like they're an other and i think even once you're here it, it you can very easily feel like an other just because you don't look like or share a lot of the same experiences as your peers well thank god all the people in those zoom boxes were black again they are taking a bunch of issues, conflating them with systemic issues that they're the ones trying to import, and they are going to destroy the quality of care for, of medicine for basically everybody. And if you want your doctor to make decisions based on his skin color and your skin color, then, then go to one of these hospitals. Ben continued, 
Uh, let's jump back into the thread. The doctors also state that the surgery needs something like the NFL's Rooney Rule, which requires that teams interview minority candidates. But the doctors say surgery needs an expanded version that goes further and ensures that minority candidates are selected. Continues, it's bad enough when the teachers or government bureaucrats talk like this, but valuing intersectionality over merit can literally mean life or death in surgery. According to a recent John Hopkins study, medical error is the third leading cause of death in the United States. The only thing physicians should care about is competence. Anything else will get people killed. That is the point. If you take a young black kid in high school and you say to him, okay, you can get lesser grades here in high school to then get into college. And then you say to him, you can get lesser grades here in this college to get into medical school. And then you say to him, oh, you can get lesser grades here in medical school to get the job at the hospital. Then one day you're going to show up and you're going to need surgery and the kid will not know what to do. It is not racist to say that. It's not anti-black to say that. There are many black qualified people, obviously, but if we dumb down the standards for a certain set of people, we will dumb down everyone's standards. And again, planes will fall out of the sky and we'll have people dying on the operating table on top of the fact that they're also telling you that the ideology in and of itself, they look at certain people and think different things. So would they give better care to black people and lesser care to white people? Like, is that, is that such a stretch? It is not. I do not think that it is. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Uh, anyway, let's connect this uh, to something else that's going on. Uh, Bill Ackman, who I think we've shown you one or two videos of uh, in the last couple of months, has been a lifelong lefty tech guy. Uh, and he's had a massive, massive awakening post October 7th. He was on the Lex Friedman podcast uh, talking about how he re is now realizing that Harvard and DEI and wokeness and the entire progressive movement are an evil disaster. I think this reveals a deeper uh, problem in terms of ideology and uh, the governance of Harvard in the, maybe the culture of Harvard. Yes, so on governance, the governance structure is a disaster. On ideology, I was like, how can this be? October 7th, the event that woke me up was 30 student organizations came out with a public letter on October 8th, the, literally the morning after this letter was created and said, Israel is solely responsible for Hamas's violent acts. Again, Israel had not even mounted a defense at this point, and there were still terrorists running around in the southern part of Israel. Um, and I'm like, Harvard students, you know, 34 Harvard student organizations signed this letter. And I'm like, what is going on? You know, WTF, right? And, uh, and that's when I went up on campus and I started talking to the faculty and that's when I started hearing about, actually, Bill, it's, it's this DEI ideology. I'm like, what? DEI, <laughs> like diversity, equity, inclusion? You know, I, you know I, obviously I'm familiar with these words and, and you know, I, I see this in the corporate context. And they say, yeah. And they started talking to me about this oppressor-oppressed uh, framework, uh, which is effectively taught 
at on campus and represents the backdrop for many of the courses that are offered and 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 the various uh some of the studies and other degree offerings i'm like i had not even heard of this and you know i'm a pretty aware person uh, but i was completely unaware and and basically they're like look israel is deemed an oppressor and the palestinians are deemed the oppressed and you take the side of the the oppressed and any acts of the oppressed to dislodge the oppressor regardless of how vile or barbaric are okay i'm like okay this is a super dangerous ideology and and really the it's sort of a ultimately dei comes out of a uh, kind of a marxist uh, socialist backdrop way to look at the world and so i think there are a lot of issues with it but it, unfortunately it's advancing i ultimately concluded uh racism uh as opposed to fighting it which is what i thought it was ultimately about as bruce willis said in die hard welcome to the party pal so you have to remember this is a lifelong lefty and he's just suddenly and th there's many people like him right and i'm always trying to open up that door for the lefties who are waking up to start voting differently and thinking about things differently and he, this guy is clearly on his way he basically has left the democratic party at this point he's been going after biden like He's on his way, but isn't that interesting that a guy who's, who's a really obviously bright billionaire tech guy, liberal, like he's not like some radical lunatic or anything else, it took October 7th for him to wake up and suddenly be like, oh, DEI is bad, right? Like this, this new age racism actually is bad. But again, I'm, welcome to the party, I'm happy you're here, and let's see if you start voting differently, you've got a lot of money, so maybe start funding candidates that are a little bit different. He's taken a lot of money out of Harvard, he's threatening to sue Business Insider and a couple other places that are now going after him because he's starting to talk up about this stuff. But if you wanna see, and this will connect uh, as well to the, to the Israel portion of this, if you wanna see how twisted this ideology is and how it elevates stupid people who do not deserve to have their jobs. I referenced this video on the show yesterday, but Bonnie Jenkins is the U.S. Undersecretary of State for Arms Control and International Security. That is a pretty big title. Let me read it one more time. She's the U.S. Undersecretary of State for Arms Control and International Security. Uh, she was at a congressional hearing being questioned by Florida Congressman Brian Math. Uh, about what a two-state solution in the Middle East would look like. And just watch, this is so absolutely extraordinary. Like, tell me, is this woman qualified to be the U.S. Undersecretary of State for Arms Control and International Security? Or is it possible she got her job because of her skin color and her genitals? Correct. We support a two-state solution. Okay, have you looked at that objectively? Uh, what do you mean? Have you looked at objectively? Have you analyzed that objectively? Um, this is this is something that we do support. Yeah, uh, that's not an answer. To, have you analyzed a second Palestinian state objectively? Have you have you analyzed it objectively? Uh, I'm not sure exactly what you're asking. Have you don't I know personally what it means analyzed to, it? You don't know what it means to objectively analyze know something? No, what it means objectively. Analyze. Okay, so have you done that? No, I have not. You have. If if. <laughs> If I understand your question. You might not be, because I can't believe that you would answer it in that way. If you, so let me just start over. You're here uh, representing support for a Palestinian yes. state, correct? Yes, yes. Have you analyzed that support objectively? Yes. But you just said no. So well, I'm trying to understand what you're saying. Okay. I thought I made it pretty simple, but you said no. 
but I'll grant you that now you said yes, you have looked at it objectively. So, having looked at it objectively, which I would assume somebody in your position does, uh, who would you assess would lead that Palestinian state? Pick a group. You can name a group, but I'm saying Hamas, Palestinian Authority, Palestinian Islamic Jihad, Fatah, some other group, who would lead it? Um, I think that has to be uh, something that's considered. I don't think I'm in a position to say Who did right you now. objectively assess would lead it in determining you have support for a Palestinian state? I don't, I don't want to, I don't think that I can answer that question. I think this has, this is part of a larger discussion. But you objectively assess that you support a Palestinian I state. I do support a In objectively assessing that, who do you assess would lead that state? What group that does not receive military support from, say, Iran, do you assess would lead that, that state? Um, I understand your question, but I think I would have to have a little, I, I, would, I, don't, I don't feel comfortable saying that without have you having not more assessed what? I mean, that continues, people. I think we illustrated the point. Like, it just continues and continues and continues. She has no idea what she's talking about. She doesn't know what the word objective is. That's a bit of a problem. She has no idea why she supports a two-state solution or two states which is complete farce and always has been a farce and there never were two states and there never was a state of Palestine and everything else. But putting all that aside, she has no idea why she supports a certain policy other than she's supposed to support a certain policy. So when he says, well, tell me how you came to this conclusion or who should lead that state, she has no effing clue. And this is dangerous stuff because do you know that there are nukes in the Middle East? Do you know that there are all sorts of problems and border disputes and everything else? And we're just gonna grant a freaking terrorist organization that just killed about 2,000 people and still, as we speak right now, has five to eight, it's a little unclear, American hostages on top of about 200 Israeli hostages. You're gonna give them a state. You don't even know why or who's gonna be in charge or what the boundaries of the state will be, but congratulations to the DEI crew. You got a black woman to be the undersecretary of do-do-do-do-do. I would like to uh, end today's program with two more clips. One of them is my buddy, Brett Weinstein. He was on Alex Jones and Brett, God bless him. Brett's going everywhere where people will listen to him. He's getting some pushback in certain circles, but he talked to Alex Jones uh, and he made a great point. It's something that he had said uh, right here in this studio about two months ago as well, about how there's a certain set of people, they're clever, uh, and they're not dumb, but they're wrecking the whole damn thing and maybe they don't even realize that they're wrecking it. And I think you could directly connect that to a woman that does not know what the word objective is. Take a look. Yeah, I, I agree. I, my impression is that they are clever enough to wreck the systems that work and they are far from clever enough to rebuild something uh, in their wake. So yeah, I, I think they are, they are heading us for disaster and that they are going to discover uh, how much hubris has been driving them when it's too late for them. But I don't think we really have any choice but to rescue Western civilization. It is the best tool we've got, always has been. It's not to say that it can't use upgrading here and there, but we have to save it because your children, my children, and all of the grandchildren that we might ultimately have are depending on us to do it. Ain't that it? Ain't that it? Like who, who have been the sort of thoughtful people that we've shown you on the show today? Was it Dr. Phil and Dr. Weinstein? Or was it the ladies of The View, the undersecretary of the thing? Like these people are completely out of control. Is it the doctors who have now decided that they should be racist against white people and pun like, it's just so damn obvious. But guys, you really just need to understand this thing, Brett's making a great point. They, they're clever enough to destroy things, but they're not clever enough to rebuild them. And 
with the day we're on the other side and we're like, boy, I guess, you know, for all those years, they were saying they were gonna rip the whole thing down and burn down the system and everything else. Boy, that system was pretty good. Cause you know what? It is pretty damn good. This thing that we've got in this country, it's the, it's the dream of humans. It's a miracle that when you turn on your faucet, water comes out. And when you show up to the supermarket, there's food in the, in the aisles. And that usually uh, you can go places without having your roads blocked and everything else. And there isn't sectarian religious violence all over the place. But we might be getting there. So let's do everything we can to stop that. I wanna throw you to one more. This is Bill Ackman again, talking about one of the things that we could do to perhaps, uh, I don't know, grow up a better generation that might be willing to fight for the right things if we, if we set the seeds, if we plant the seeds for that right now. One of the biggest mistakes our generation is making raising kids, I don't know how many people in the audience are at that stage yet, is um, you know, I think that an ability to deal with uh, stress, uh, you know, what people call grit, for example, is a bit lacking in our kids' generation because I think there's a bit of a tendency on the part of the parents to keep saving our kids when they're about to fall. Everything from the way playgrounds are designed, uh, you know, where if you fall, well, it's cushioned, <laughs> you know. Um, but it's kind of an extreme example. I mean, you don't want daggers lying around on the ground, you know. Um, but the, um, I do think that we're cushioning a bit too much our kids and we should allow them. You know, my, my wife is a landscape architect and, uh, you know, some of the, the kids love the, there's a playground called the Adventure Playground in Central Park, which would never get built today because the, you know, the litigation plaintiffs, you know, uh, probably have a field day with it. But, you know, the kids love it because it's, it's actually challenging. So maybe we can do some things and start with young people so that they're not afraid of everything, so they do take risks, so occasionally they scrape a knee or whatever else. I kid you not, I got a text while we were playing that clip, David texted me, and the kids are out in the playground right now, and Justin took a big spill from the, from the uh, slide. It's okay, he's gonna be okay. But that's just one little version of this. But if we just decide that, no, we're just gonna create this safe world, and no one will ever get hurt, and no one will ever be challenged, and everyone will be equal, and merit will never get you ahead, and nothing will really mean anything, then yes, we will eat bugs, and we will live in the metaverse, and we will all be asexual with no genitals, and John Kerry will eat steak and fly on private planes. That's not the world I intend to live in. The world I intend to live in is over at my niece's school. I gotta get going. I am the friend of the day. I don't know exactly what that means, but I gotta go so there's no post-game show. I thank you guys for watching. Sorry we were a little brief today. Uh, if you wanna join us and keep us independent, rubenreport.locals.com. No people of the internet today because I'll be over there, uh, but we will be picking that up on Friday. I thank you for watching. We leave you with the elderly man pretending to be president. Goodbye. Senator Vance recently asked the U.S. Director of National Intelligence, along with the Secretaries of State and Defense, if I was working in some capacity for the American government. Simply put, I'm an American serving as a Ukrainian infantry soldier and combat medic who was brought from the Zero Line and assigned to the TDF's media team in the dual role of spokesperson and Russian disinformation analyst. The remaining speculation surrounding me is disappointing. While in Ukraine, we are fighting for global liberty and the ideology of victory. Too many in Moscow and across the world are still caught up in focusing on the tire trope of gender chaos. Thanks for tuning in to The Rubin Report. You can watch the show live every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern and 8 a.m. Pacific on Rumble, Locals, and YouTube. Don't forget to rate, review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And you can join me for the post-game wrap-up every day after the show at rubinreport.locals.com.